Melissa. Hi, Kyle. We're now officially in May in the podcast land. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're, we've been on a roll with these episodes lately. I feel like conference happened and we took a brief pause and now we're like back at it. Boom, boom, boom. So what's special about May? Lots to talk about. Well, first of all, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we know that's vitally important in any industry, but certainly in the hospitality industry where there's long hours, irregular hours. And you will be, all of our CMA member listeners will be receiving their May-June edition of Club Management Magazine, which dives into lots of information on how important mental health is for club management professionals and also for their teams. So there's a lot of great information in there, but we wanted to take the conversation a little bit further. Um, As we've talked to members uh, and a huge shout out to the members of the communications committee who visited with (laughs) us in Alexandria, Virginia last week. Um, We had a great four hour meeting and probably could have talked for eight hours, Uh, but Our communications uh, committee members are amazing volunteers who provide a sounding board and help us shape the material that you see in the magazine, as well as ideas for our podcast. And really, they're the amazing subject matter experts. So they're amazing volunteers, and we thank them so much. Um, But, you know, in talking about mental health, and and we focus so much on talking about self-care and the individual, and that is so important. But it's also important to know how to handle those situations when they come up for members of your team. And so that, you know, as a manager or supervisor or even a coworker, how do you assist those individuals? How do you start that conversation? Totally. And I how mean, do you approach them? Yeah, I mean, like, and I we kind of get into this in, in the interview that we're about to share. Um, but like the conversations around mental health are can they're really can be quite challenging no matter who you're talking to about mental health challenges. But it's almost as if there is another layer of difficulty when you are addressing mental health in the workplace. It's it's already very challenging and difficult, and it asks a lot of people in terms of vulnerability and you know. If you're dealing with it at home is one thing, and that's hard too, but then, you know, you bring it into the workplace and it can be really challenging because there are a lot of questions um, that come up around privacy and, you know, professionalism and what's okay and what's not. And then there's the overall stigma of talking about mental health. Um, And so it can feel really icky and really scary. Um, But on the other hand, it's like, well, but but I still want to help and I still want to make sure that and being responsible and being a good, you know, employer or a good coworker um, and looking out for my my teammates. So we we definitely um, have a really good conversation. I'll let Melissa cue it up and talk a little bit about our guest today. Sure. So as we were doing research for this episode, I had one of those uh, confluence of events happens. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I am part of a networking group in the association space. And uh, we have very regular uh, Zoom check-ins and happened to be on one of those calls. And this topic, this topic came up of a program started by the National Council of Mental Well-Being. 
and it's called their Mental Health First Aid Program. And we're all super familiar with, right, first aid training to understand, Mm -hmm. or even AED training to understand what to do in the case of an emergency, someone falls and hits their head, you know, what do you do in that case? But this is a program that this amazing association has put together to really train folks on how to handle mental health first aid. And so this came into my the sphere of my life, hearing about this program and doing some research and associations are amazing and doing amazing things um, in putting this program together. And then from that, was able to make connections with David McCabe in our office um, about a speaker that we've worked with in the past and that's worked um, with clubs on helping to present this program. And so we reached out to an expert and her name is Crystal Fullwood. Uh, She's a consultant with a strong background in employee experience, well-being, mental health, and trauma-informed practices. She has more than a decade of experience in crafting organizational strategies, leading cultural transformation, up-leveling up-leveling, I love that, leadership skills with corporate training and driving into, I'm sorry, driving corporate DEI (laughs) efforts. Um, She is currently with the Blue Beyond team. And before that, she was a top-rated national mental health first aid instructor for the National Council of Mental Wellbeing, where she led mental health at work trainings for senior level teams with several Fortune 500 companies and nonprofits across various industries. Um, So, you know, Crystal is an expert on this. She's an expert on the training. And, you know, I think one of the big nuggets I took away from this, and I hope you do too, is that this is more than about mental health in first aid in the workplace. It's something that can help you outside of your life. Absolutely. In in all of your interactions. So let's roll the interview. Well, we are thrilled uh, to really dive into the topic of mental health this month. And we have connected with an expert. So excited to have Crystal Fullwood here with us today. Crystal, thank you so much for for being with us. First, can you tell our listeners where we're talking to you from today? Yes, today I am in Arlington, Virginia, um, speaking to you of the comfort of my home. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. So, you know, diving right on into this, can you share with our listeners a bit about the National Council of Mental Wellbeing's Mental Health First Aid Program? What is it? So um, Mental Health First Aid is a nationally um, accredited program. Um, you, it, it comes in four different curriculums for adults. So adults helping other adults, youth, um, adults helping young people, which is really good for parents or teachers and educators. There is teen, so for teen to tier teen support, and also at work. So for employees, with other employees and definitely really good for leadership. When some, it teaches people how to recognize the signs and symptoms of someone experiencing a mental health challenge or a substance use challenge. It provides, um, the class provides an action plan on what to do in response once you become aware that there's something happening and also helps people um, connect people to the appropriate professional help. This is a three-year certification, so it's very similar to um, physical um, first aid, which is CPR. So it's really good for recognizing, connecting, and supporting people um, that may be having challenges. Crystal, I know you've done a lot of trainings uh, with different organizations on this. You know, who do you recommend be trained in this within within the workplace module? Is that 
know, just supervisors? Is it other employees? Is it just leadership? Um, how, what is that recommendation? So I recommend, because mental health first aid is so important um, to me, and I've seen how much it has helped me in my own personal life and professional life, I think everyone should be trained in mental health first aid. I do understand the investment that it comes along with, but I noticed great transformation can happen within an organization when the investment is throughout everybody. So all levels of staff should be trained in it. The reason for that is because not often um, supervisors have, or even like senior leadership have direct contact to people who may be experiencing some challenges, or they don't interact with them as often. When you have more eyes and ears in your organization, recognizing that something is happening, it does multiple things. One, it reduces stigma. You start to create a culture of compassion because mental health is not taboo within your organization. Another thing too, is it allows for people to feel comfortable with getting support if they need to, and having that, you know, having that conversation about it. So th these are reasons why, for me, I believe that an entire organization should be trained in mental health first aid because you can shift the entire culture by doing that. I think that's a great point, um, Crystal. Can you just briefly speak to the how long it takes to do the training um, and what is involved in that generally? Yeah. For so. Yes, yeah, so there's several different delivery options um, for the training. So I was honored to teach for the Knickerbocker Club in New York. And um, Emily Parker, who um, really organized the entire training, she wanted it to be in person. So they had an eight-hour in-person training in the club. The alternatives to that are a blended option where there's two hours of self-paced learning and people do that before joining an in-person session, um, a four-hour in-person session, so it's about six hours. And, and last, there is a virtual option. So the entire eight hours is done virtually. Great, so a couple, a couple different options there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Crystal, for, for a lot of our members, when we talk about this, you know, they struggle with how difficult that first conversation can be, right? Um, and, and you know, they're navigating a whole bunch of different nuance to make sure that they're, they're getting that correct. So what's the first thing a manager or a supervisor or even a fellow employee should do if they're kind of concerned about another employee who might be struggling within their organization? Um, that's that's an, another great question. So with, when it, it's a little different when you are at work because you do have to be mindful of the relationship that you have with this person. Um, how how has that been? Can you go? Is this a friend of yours or is this someone that you speak to often? Because that is really important when you are approaching a colleague. So. One of the things that I encourage people, I'm, this is something that I discuss um, in, um, on great length with, when, we're, when I do the class, but it's really important to see if this person is a person that you have a relationship with. And by going to them using I statements, right? Like I noticed 
a change in your mood or I notice a change in your attendance. Is everything okay? Um, just speaking more of those observations, making sure that you're speaking facts and not hearsay. That's another way to really approach someone. I can imagine that's really important too, because when you think about the language that you want to use when you're going to approach someone or you've noticed that they're struggling, you don't want to use those you statements to make it feel accusatory or like they've done something wrong. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So I think, mm -hmm. yeah, thinking about the language choices, just like it's a great first step. And it definitely couches that conversation in just like, I, I, I noticed something and I just want to check in with you, not you're doing something and I think it's bad. Absolutely. And, and we all may have experienced or known someone else who experienced when things happen at work, right? When there's a decline in productivity, when people are just disconnected, oftentimes they have different labels. It's not looked at as a mental health challenge or maybe this person is going through um, a hardship. Oftentimes at work, people are defined as lazy, um, incompetent, you know, when it comes to work. And so being mindful um, of the signs and symptoms also of what depression or anxiety or any other um, mental health challenge with those symptoms and signs look like can really help people when they're navigating through work if they're experiencing these challenges. Yeah, because I can imagine, you know, if we're not necessarily labeling all of these things that we're experiencing, you know, it, it kind of depression or anxiety or substance abuse issues or whatever it might be, right? Like those can all show up in different ways and how we behave yeah. in the workplace. So like you said, if if you notice someone is all of a sudden more, much more reserved where they used to be very chatty and conversational and they're all of a sudden like not that way, that could be a, a, a trigger point, right? Like that could be a key. Or if, you know, they, they start missing deadlines, which is very unusual for them. That's a something to look out for. But that, you know, none of those things are necessarily like, oh, they're mopey and sad today. They must be depressed. Like you kind of have to think, outside the box a little bit about how can how can these mental health challenges show up or manifest in different ways. Absolutely. And that's those are the things that we do discuss in the class, right? Giving you a list of these things that may show up. And it's not just one thing. If someone starts to miss deadlines and that's it, you may lean in a little bit more as, as a curiosity. And but when it starts to become you know, you're missing deadlines, you're not showing up to work, you're becoming isolated, um, maybe you've lost or gained weight, maybe your hygiene has changed, or you appear to be tired or disheveled. These are all now a collection of things that, that lead to something really is happening here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the list, I'm sure that list is pretty comprehensive and a little bit homeless. <laughs> yes, yes, because it can look differently for different people. You know, a story that I like to share is um, my own personal story and why mental health first aid is so important in the workplace. So many years ago, I worked as an esthetician and I absolutely loved what I did. And as an esthetician, I had to see clients and I became an esthetician because I really wanted to win the Best of Westchester Award. I'm originally from New York 
And so it was a huge thing there. And so I became, um, I, I became an esthetician, was working at one of the best known spas in Westchester and became an award-winning esthetician. Two years into that though, something started to happen. I no longer enjoyed what I was doing at work. I started to show up late to, to work. I rushed through my clients. My, I, I lost about 30 pounds, right? And my boss and my entire team, they saw what was happening, but no one took this mental health first aid class. I didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what was happening. So eventually my, 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 my work and my quality of work continued to decline in which I got fired for that. I ended up from there becoming, losing my housing um, and ended up in a psychiatric hospital because I had, I was, I was diagnosed with major depression. We didn't know because the signs and symptoms of mental health looked like to all of us laziness. It looked like choice. And so one of the reasons why I'm really passionate about teaching mental health first aid, especially in organizations, is because we miss it. We miss that people are experiencing some really deep, hard things. And we label them as, you know, lazy or whatever other words we may come up to come to and not leaning in out of curiosity, seeking to understand. When someone or an organization chooses to invest in mental health first aid, to me, that is saying, I love you. It's saying, I love you and I value enough, value you enough to understand better what you could be experience, experiencing so that I can support you better. Oh, I love that. I think that that's so important because I think similarly to, to, to this simple action of investing in, you know, this mental health first aid, um, being a way to say, you know, I love you, I care for you. It's also demonstrating to your team, to your employees, like, I see you as a whole person. I don't see mm -hmm. you just as a cog in the machine, as a means to an end, you know, you come in every yeah. day, you punch your time card, you work and the product is more important than the person, you know, like I see beyond yeah. that. I recognize that you have things going on in your life outside of the four walls of this office that can yeah. be, you know, significantly impactful. And, you know, th like that's huge. And I think that kind of speaks to this larger conversation that we've been having on the podcast over the se last several months, but also more broadly within society, you know, I think, you know, the pandemic really put a lot of things in perspective for people in terms of like what, what they're willing to tolerate in a workplace and what they're not. Oh, and absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You see that in like the great resignation and a lot of people saying like, no, I, I don't want to go back to that workplace because it doesn't fit what I need right now. And yeah. I think, you know, perhaps like, this larger conversation about what are we willing to tolerate and what are we willing to give up of ourselves to go into a workplace? Like those are all important conversations. And I think mental health is a huge part of that. You know, if, if, I, don't feel, if I don't feel respected or seen or supported in my workplace, I don't, don't want to go there. I don't want to spend time giving of myself so much to a point where like, you know, I could be sick, I could be unwell and not have that yeah. support that I need to get better. Right. It's it's more than a paycheck now. It's peace that people are seeking. Absolutely. And 
it's and and that's the piece right when you think about peace you think about that total person you think about total well-being so how are we creating a total well-being work culture where people are able to show up how they are and feel free and still be productive um and i believe that that's what's shifting in how work was once defined especially as you start to see gen z come through it will be completely different than some of the work and how the work ethics were before. People are seeking peace and not just pay. Ooh, I love that. That, that. that is stellar. I was gonna say that, that, that nugget right there is just stellar. Thanks, I, 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 I see it all the time, you know? Um, and it, it's possible, it's possible. So getting, organizations to believe that they can they can do this will transform the world will transform the world i'm just writing that down right now seeking peace not just pay <laughs> um i wanted to kind of continue that that little thread of the conversation this idea you know people are seeking peace um in their workplace but i think too i think it's important to note for like mental well-being in the workplace that it's also important for um, workplaces to kind of acknowledge what's going on in society and how those act actions and activities and events can affect somebody in their day-to-day. -day. So I think not just with the pandemic, Absolutely. I think that's like the most obvious thing that people think of right now, but you know, we think a lot about um, some of the social unrest that we've seen over the last couple of years as it relates to perhaps um, you know, the George Floyd trial and protests that ensued after that and what kind of impact all of that was having on people in the workplace, especially our employees of color who were mm -hmm. you know, having to watch this on television every single day and read about it online and, and still having to come to work and then yes. function like, a, mm -hmm. like nothing was going on or similarly what's going on in the Supreme Court right now. I mean, it's whether you agree yeah. with what's going on or not, it's affecting people and their day to day. And I think like that, that's also a piece of this mental well-being too, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And are you are we creating cultures? Are we creating a company culture where people feel safe to show up just like that? Yeah. Just with all of that, you know? It's hard. It's so hard. But I I appreciate so much that, you know, that you're doing this work and, and talking to um, people about how how we can be better and be supportive and show up for each other in these ways. I think it's so, so yeah. important. And what I've recognized, I've, I've taught for, I still, I teach for so many Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 corporations. And one of the things that I recognize the most is when I do teach the mental health first aid class, how um, people respond to it, right? They are craving this conversation. Also too, outside of, or in addition to that, it's also important for organizations to think through, well, what is our well-being strategy? Because yes, you can have the mental health first aid and, and, and have it taught, but then what? Right. What happens now? Because it's an eight hour class, everybody's trained, but what 
is the thing, what is the strategy to actually change the culture? Because when you embed well-being throughout your organization, it is not only attractive for, uh, for talent, it's also a talent retention. People stay where they're cared for. In, 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 in their personal life or their professional life, you stay where you feel deeply cared for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think I could probably talk about this all day long. <laughs> Same <laughs> here. That I'm incredibly passionate about, not just in the workplace, but like more broadly in just my personal life too. And I know Melissa has experience with this as well. You know, I think everybody actually probably has experience either dealing with some sort of mental health challenge either themselves or with someone that they love. Um, This is something that is, I think it's important for us to keep talking about. And you said it earlier, Crystal, about how doing this training in the workplace can help reduce the stigma surrounding mental health. But like more broadly, we as a society are still working to reduce that stigma. So I think it's because it's something that touches everyone, um, it's so important to be having these conversations. And, um, you know, I really appreciate that you spent some time with us talking about it today because it's something that's so useful to so many. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, one of the things I like about the Mental Health First Aid class is that you can learn it for at work and you can still take it home. There are things that, you know, you'll hear that can translate also to when you're speaking about your kids or to your partner or whoever you're doing life with, your friends. I use these tools outside of work. I use them every day and how I communicate with people and how I show up, how I raise my daughter, how I speak to her and her friends, right? There are just so many things that can come out of learning this that can really improve your quality of life and the relationships that you have, whether at home or at work. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a small step to take to, you know, do this training and think about the ways that we speak to each other and the ways that we show up for each other, but it can, you know, it's a small step that can go a long way in undoing a lot of generational hurt and trauma and societal stigma um, and changing people's lives for the better and showing the, our next generation that like, you know, things don't have to be the way that they have always been. We can be better people yeah. and care for each other. And that's a really absolutely. good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love it. Melissa, do you have any other questions? I feel like I jumped in and I like bogarted this conversation. <laughs> I don't. I, I like like Kyle said. I think we can talk about this, um, and I think this is a great resource. We're going to drop the link to the to um, to the mental health first aid program into our show notes, um, and encourage other folks to dive in and learn more about this. Yes, thank you so much. Absolutely, Crystal. Again, thank you for your time today. And um, like Melissa said, we'll obviously share the resources, um, but also, you know, if there are any members of CMAA or clubs who are interested in this training, you know, we will certainly work to make those connections um, for them as well, because, you know, this is so important. And I think a lot of people will be interested in it. So, (laughs) Yes, I'm glad. I'm glad. I always love when people are taking the class because it's more eyes and ears in our community. And that we have just more opportunity to save someone's life or to support them. 
Absolutely. And it truly can save someone's life. Like speaking from personal, speaking from personal experience, it truly can save someone's life mm-hmm. to just step up and say, Hey, I see something is wrong. What what can we do to help and where do we need to go? Yes. That? It's Absolutely. so important. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was a wonderful conversation. And as Melissa and I both said, you know, this is something that we could talk about for much more than 20 or 30 minutes easily. I mean, you know, there are a lot of uh, a lot of best practices that we didn't get to get into in this conversation, but I definitely encourage anyone who is um, curious or wanting to learn more about mental health first aid and what this training can look like, and maybe you want to bring it to your club, um, you can learn more at www.mentalhealthfirstaid.org, um, and that can get you started in, you know, figuring out what what training might be right for you and your team. But we definitely encourage anyone who has questions or is curious to check out that link. Um, we'll put it in the show notes so that you can access it real easily. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack here, and it was a really wonderful conversation, and we were really grateful to Crystal for sharing her wisdom with us. This segment of the podcast has been brought to you by Pulsar Security, a CMAA education partner. Are you ready for your yearly cyber audit? An external vulnerability assessment will fulfill the cybersecurity requirements for your insurance renewal and financial audit. Pulsar is working with many leading clubs within your industry to enhance cybersecurity best practices, raise security awareness, and improve security infrastructure. Not sure where to start? Visit Pulsar at pulsarsecurity.com for more information. Awesome. Well, we have a lot of other exciting things that talking that we're going to talk about uh, coming up. First up is the return of the Chef Summit. We had our inaugural Chef Summit uh, last year in 2021 in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. 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 (laughs) They'll yell at you. I know. I'm Southern. I should say it right. You should. Um, So this year we are headed to the Windy City, also named the city named the food and drink capital of the world, and that is beautiful Chicago, Illinois, and we'll be there September 25th through the 27th. It's an opportunity for club chefs and those who love food and beverage to learn, grow, and taste together. So the education is all designed around um, helping club chefs to build their club leadership, finance and governance acumen while having a great experience. You're going to get to visit three amazing Windy City clubs, the Union League Club of Chicago, very historic, Lakeshore Country Club, and Northmore Country Club. So make sure if you love food and beverage and don't forget to let your club chef know about this amazing program. Um, to visit cma.org to find more information and special shout out to our partner club procure a cma education partner who helps make this possible for cma i mean i'm i'm not mad that chicago is named the food and beverage capital of the world i really just want to go eat deep dish pizza and an italian beef sandwich now so thank you for that absolutely that sounds real real tasty um we so i guess we could piggyback off of the chef summit um and we don't have a lot more details yet but we have a lot of events coming up in the fall um and as over the next couple of months you know please stay tuned we will be sharing more about what we have coming down the pike um 
I think that kind of wraps us up for this edition of Let's Talk Club Management. Uh, thank you all for listening. Make sure to dive into the uh, Club Management Magazine uh, for more, as Melissa mentioned, uh, mental health coverage. We, there are a lot of really good stories in this issue of the magazine um, from everything from self-care to burnout to talking about and managing recovery from substance abuse um, challenges. You know, it, we really kind of run the gamut. So take take a look. Make sure you give that a read. And uh, until next time, I'm Kyle. That's Melissa. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Take care, friends. Bye. Let's Talk Club Management podcast is a podcast of the Club Management Association of America. Since 1927, CMAA has been the largest professional association for managers of membership clubs throughout the U.S. and internationally. The objectives of the association are to promote relationships between club management professionals and other similar professions, to encourage the education and advancement of members, and to provide the resources needed for efficient and successful club operations. Under the covenants of professionalism, education, leadership, and community, CMAA continues to extend its reach as the leader in the club management practice. CMAA is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, with more than 40 professional chapters and more than 40 student chapters and colonies. Please learn more at www.cmaa.org org.